is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're you two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Thursday, November 3rd. This is the first time we've had a little Monday, Thursday action in a pretty long time. And yes, today we have a little NFL to talk about, a little college football. We've got, actually got a little fun segment in the college football topic for today or segment, I guess. And we've got a little Formula One segment at the end, just kind of going over the problem with Red Bull recently that that recently came out. But it is officially kind of holiday season. I mean, it's it's past Halloween, so I kind of consider it holiday season. I mean, it's hey, it's November. The leaves have already changed. They're still changing. They're actually falling off the trees now. And yeah, we're getting a little bit of that cold weather coming in. It's it's still 70s every basically every single day here in, in Charlottesville, which that's just Virginia for you, you know, can never decide what it wants to do with the weather. But I imagine that those of you who are in other parts of the country or in other parts of the world um, are actually probably experiencing what you should be experiencing around this time of year, because Virginia, yeah, we're just kind of smack in the middle of nothing. And we just, we get every, we get everything during the winter and during the fall season. So it's, uh, it's a little confusing, but lots of, lots of sick faces, lots of allergies here. At 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 uh, UVA, so I mean we're thriving though, and uh, still getting this podcast done. Matt, how are you on the other end? I'm I'm good. I'm better. I'm I'm recovered a little bit. Nice. I was I was pretty sick again. Thanks to Hayden for sitting in a car with him for yeah. 24 hours while he was hacking his brains out and blowing his nose, and it sounded like he was going to die. Lots of um, snot. Yes, a lot of that, uh, and so that was then kind of transferred over to me to bear the burden of that for the past week or so, but we're, we're back a little bit. Hopefully my voice sounds even better than it did on Monday. My throat still hurts, but, but my voice is better and my symptoms are, are almost all the way gone. So finally getting better as Hayden mentioned. Yes, we're done with Halloween. We're into November now. It's crazy how time, you know, how, how it's crazy, how fast time is flying, but we cannot be the people who are already moving on to Christmas. Let's not do that. I realize that all the retail stores and everybody's already got all their Christmas decorations up and, and people are buying stuff. It's okay to buy stuff. Okay. It's okay. It's even okay to put some lights out, maybe even put up your Christmas tree, but we have to respect Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving's the best holiday of the year. So miss me with any of that. Let's listen to Christmas music and, and all that stuff. We have to focus on Halloween. Okay. Or no, we have to focus on Thanksgiving. Whoa. I mean, we just did focus on Halloween. Yeah. So let's focus on the next holiday, which is Thanksgiving. I don't know if Hayden shares the same sentiment. I don't think he does because I know he loves Christmas. So you got you, you can't be one of those people, hey. Dude, it's it's gonna take me. It, well, it's gonna take every cell in my body to restrain myself from putting Christmas song transitions or like the Christmas transition that we had last year. I don't know if you guys have been here since then. Which if you have, thank you so much because you're a real one. But yeah, the Christmas transitions last year. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough for me to have to wait until after Thanksgiving to do that. But I promise, I will. I will give my oath right here with my right hand pointing to the sky. And that is that I won't, I won't put Christmas transitions in between topics or in between segments, because yes, that should wait until after Thanksgiving, but we are going to have, I mean, it, it, it is a start of holiday season technically. So I think maybe like the week before Thanksgiving, we should, we should start with the Thanksgiving themed segments. I think that would be pretty fun. That's actually kind of where, we got all of our fun segment ideas was from the holidays last year, because that's kind of, we actually started Matt and I started doing this podcast. I think, dude, this actually might be like our one year anniversary or one year anniversary coming up soon, because I think we started doing this podcast together last, like the beginning of last November, basically. So it's basically been a year since we, since we can, or since we brought back this podcast out of like a, I don't know, five, six months slump. And Matt and I have been doing it ever since. And we've missed a couple episodes here and there. But for the most part, we've been really consistent with it. So, yes, happy, happy one year anniversary, Matt. I, I think I may love you. Otherwise, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's get into the NFL for today. All right. So the government actually this past week began, began investigating Dan Snyder, who is the owner of the commanders. And this is the latest and most serious revelation of an issue that's really been ongoing for many years now. So Matt's going to give a quick backstory and a little background on Dan Snyder, just in case you guys don't know who he is and don't know the terrible person he is, just to give a little bit of a preface there. 
Matt's going to give you a little bit of a backstory. We're going to talk through it. We're going to kind of talk about the impact that it has on the commanders right now, mid-season especially. And then we're going to maybe talk about some potential candidates that could buy the team in the future. So it's it's a it's a tough it's it's a bittersweet story here with Dan Snyder. If you want to kind of look a, like like really deep, just Google his Wikipedia page because it's pretty interesting. He kind of grew up and was like really poor and had nothing, and then he kind of grew up in the area when like telephones just kind of first started to become a, a popular thing, especially when it comes to telemarketing and stuff. So he essentially started a telemarketing company and absolutely went crazy and like it was you know i i don't even remember what it was called but basically like that was the story is he came from nothing started his own business when telephone marketing was like becoming a thing he made an insane amounts of money uh and was kind of the ceo of this huge company and and kind of really revolutionized transactions buying selling whatever paying for things over the phone so dan snyder is is really an influential person in kind of the history of at least that kind of sector of of the industry uh when it comes to you know telephones purchasing whatever uh so anyway he is relatively young for how long he has been an owner in the NFL. And that's because he bought the team. He bought the commanders. Well, back then they were the Redskins, but he bought this team when I think he was probably, he was, he was like 30 or something um, because he basically was a billionaire by the time he was 30. So, you know, he, he's just, it was, it was like a very quick transition for him from becoming a very, you know, poor person who, who didn't really have much to then obviously becoming a billionaire and, you know, 30 under 30 and all that. So he bought the team at a pretty young age. And, and I think this kind of started the whole just, down spiraling downturn of Dan Snyder, his history within the commander's organization, as well as just kind of being a businessman altogether, because you gotta, you gotta realize like, you know, the guys who own these teams and it's not just the NFL, it's the, it's the NBA, it's the MLB. The the guys who own these teams are billionaire businessmen. Okay. So they made their money doing other stuff. Then they bought the fair, they brought the franchise. They bought the franchise and get my words out today it mostly just because at some point and it's and it's crazy to say but if you get to a point where you make that much money and you are that rich it's kind of boring to live your everyday life and and the biggest thing that rich people like to do is show off what they have to other rich people that they're friends with or that they do business with or anything like that so What's the coolest thing that you could do to impress your friends and you impress your colleagues or people that you want to do business with? It's like, hey, I own this sports team. Come hang out with me in the press box at this game. And like, we'll just have a good time sitting here watching my team play. Regardless or not, you know, whether they win or not, it doesn't really matter because I own the team and I call all the shots. And this is like my thing. Like I just own the team. So that's where a lot of these guys come from. And so as a result you become very very egotistical uh, as an owner a lot of guys a lot of a lot of them well some of them i would say probably half and half are actual good people who do a lot for the community um who have you know kind of grown up within the business i mean a lot of this stuff too is you know the, the owners of the teams have have just been pay, you know the ownership has just been passed down to people's kids and it keeps you know kind of going through uh you know through the generations like that but and in that case, I think it's just more of a, you know, this is kind of my life. This is my job. And I give back to the team. I give back to the organization. But for the people like Dan Snyder, who grew up obviously having nothing, then became a billionaire and is now buying a team in order to just kind of have something else to do, that that creates a level of just a, a level of spearheadedness and a level of ego, ego just in general, um, that, that isn't healthy for a normal human being, especially someone who had so much success at a young age and found more success than he was ever really supposed to, or that anybody thought he ever would. So that's just kind of the general backstory on Dan Snyder, how he got to be the owner of the commanders. And so then we kind of have, and I think he's been the owner of the commanders for probably 25 years or so. So he's always kind of been a weird dude and a, and a pretty, you know, egotistical authoritative type of guy, but it wasn't until like five or six years ago that like stories started coming out about bad things that he had done. Now, again, and, and I'm going to try to kind of 
make this you know the least political as possible but i definitely we definitely want to do a pot topic on this just because of how interesting the situation is so five or six years ago starts you know stuff starts coming out from women who are in the organization saying that they've been sexually harassed by dan snyder and whether that be you know physically or, or verbally or whatever it, it happened okay and, and that was kind of around the time when you know we we get into kind of the me too movement and everything like that which is you know, a, a good thing for the grand scheme of things, because people like Dan Snyder, who are bad people, uh, who are taking advantage of their power and and using it towards others in a bad way, were able to be found out. And 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 it was you know we get the word out there that these people are not doing good things to other people whom work who well who work for them realistically, right? And and so that's when we start getting a little bit of you know stuff from coming out of the commanders organization that says this guy might not be the best, right? The best owner of the team, a good you know person to be around in the organization, all this stuff. And then obviously we have, you know, kind of the, the, the big bombshell thing that happens with the, there's a cheerleader story out there and, and, and everything like that. And all the while Dan Snyder's basically like, nah, like whatever. Right. And, and so you kind of have this guy who's not taking any ownership of any of the things that he's accused of doing. And meanwhile, there's other stories out there, man, about like he, like in meetings with like high ranking team executives, he would have like, he would like have them like look down like at the at the table, and they were only able to look up when he spoke to them, and they would have to call him like, like Mister Snyder, like people that he's basically on equal level with. I mean, obviously he's the owner of the team, so not everybody is, but like you know, kind of you know what I'm saying, like general manager type of thing, like very weird stuff going on here in inside the organization, and and it starts kind of getting out, and Dan Snyder's just like, cool, I don't care because I'm the owner of the team, I can do whatever I want. This is I I I own this, right? Same with like. You know, piece of property. Like if you treat your property like crap and you don't take care of it or whatever, like it's your property, you own it. Okay. So that's kind of what Dan Snyder's attitude about this is. The problem is, guys, it's the NFL. Okay. This is an NFL team who have a bunch of employees in a league that is kind of, you know, partnering with the NFL, who is trying to win football games. And and so all of this kind of going on at the same time, like you can't have this type of person be the leader of an organization like this in these times. All of this going on, you know, is basically kind of just indicting Dan Snyder even more. Well, what are you able to do about it? And so that kind of gets into there. You know, there's a story I read that, that kind of was essentially saying like what you know because obviously right he's done enough to this point to where he he should not be an owner of the commanders he should not be the owner of the commanders anymore so how do we get rid of him well unfortunately it's it's a pretty endearing process and 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 it basically involves all of the other owners saying that we don't want Dan Snyder to be an owner of the team so you say okay well in the news recently we've seen like Jerry Jones come out and say hey this guy shouldn't be an owner Robert Kraft has been has been on the record saying this guy he he's not a good person we don't want him to be the owner but the problem is there's you know 30 other guys who are out there basically kind of like well it doesn't really matter to me cuz I own my team and I stick to my own business and you got to think about it the owners are everything in this sport like the owners were uh, Roger Goodell works for the owners because they partner with the NFL. So these guys are at the top and they can't really be, they're, they're, they're kind of untouchable. Okay. So when you kind of talk about, start talking about the process of removing one of the owners, a lot of what goes on behind the scenes with all of this is the fact that the owners kind of have, like, there's been stories that come out, like a lot of the owners don't really like each other, but at the end of the day, they have each other's backs for the simple purpose of, we own the team and and we don't want it to be very easy for the team to be taken away from us. Right. And in a case where the team might be threatened to be taken away from us, we expect all the other guys, all the other owners to have our backs in that scenario. And it's just kind of an unspoken thing. Like you just, it's a mutual respect and agreement that we own the NFL team and, and we're not going to have it, you know, taken away from us. So that's kind of the, the, the tough part of where we're at with this Dan Snyder case right now. But Essentially, the only thing that can really, you know, prove that, you know, an owner is able or is should be forced to give up the team is if there is basically lawful wrongdoing, which is the owner broke the law. Okay, now, obviously, we've had, like I said, a lot of, you know, sexual harassment cases come out by I think women and men. It's like a weird anyway. Um, But nothing, I think nothing. There's no proof of that. And they haven't been able to like convict Dan Snyder on this. The one thing that we're able to see that has happened 
And I think that we're finally going to be able to nab this guy. And the reason that actually the, you know, the federal, federal government was able to gain warrants to actually kind of look, you know, look into this stuff is that Dan Snyder has not only been stealing from basically the fans that are going to his game, but also from the other owners. Look into this a little bit more. I'm not going to go too, too much longer here, but basically part of the ticket sharing revenue system in the NFL is that, you know, when other teams fans come to your game, you are as an owner of the team required to give a percentage of those ticket shares, a percentage of that revenue back to the other team's owner, because essentially they are, you know, paying to come to your game, but it's because you're playing the other team and the other team has garnered fans who are willing to play for, you know, pay tickets and travel and everything to go to that game. Well, it turns out, and a lot of that stuff is kind of dealt with on the back end. And so, because you had to kind of have to, okay, well, what percentage of Cowboys fans were at this specific commander's game, all that stuff. Right. So a lot of stuff is figured out on the back end. The other owners are paid out later on, whatever, whatever. Now, obviously the other guys are all very, very rich men. And so the percentage of ticket revenue at one game in October is not going to matter as much as, you know, a lot, a home game or another game or whatever. And so Basically, what Dan Snyder's been doing is not paying the other owners this percentage of ticket sales revenue that they are owed, not to mention a lot of the like refunding tickets because of, you know, people who decided not to go to the game or had a situation in which they had to, you know, sell their ticket or or couldn't go to the game and, and needed a refund for their ticket. They were not, there are instances of them not being paid back for their tickets as well. So basically the government is now investigating Dan Snyder because he is stealing money from people, not only his own fans, but also the other owners. And I think that's probably what's going to eventually lead to his demise. So hopefully that painted a, a good enough picture of everything that's going on here. So what do you think about that, Hayden? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, Dan Snyder, yeah. I mean, if, if you haven't heard about the allegations made against Dan Snyder, they're they're very horrible. And like Matt said, I mean, a lot of them haven't really been proven and it, it's really tough to like take a guy like that to court, especially because he has so much money and so much power and he's using that power to his advantage at the expense of other people, which again, it's, it's like, it's kind of like a whole vicious circle, I guess you could say, cause it's like, he's using his money and power to, to dominate over other people and to take advantage of other people. But then like those people can't really take him to court because he has so much money and he probably could just like, pay off the courts in some way and whatever. I mean, I'm, that's probably not a thing, but like, I mean, anything's possible at this point. It's, you know, well, it's, it's essentially world out there. So essentially he could pay for more expensive lawyers and yeah. continue to, you know, bar people right. down with lawyer and court fees and everything until they aren't able to fight him anymore. And then he can come up, on, come out on top every time. Yeah. I mean, I'm no political science major, major, but I, I kind of, you know, I, I know that that's probably, that that's definitely possible. So, right. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's really hard to get, a dude like this fired. And also I think, well, Matt was talking about the, the only way to get somebody or an NFL owner fired is, is for them to have something, have them do something illegal. I also think that the only way to, well, the other way is basically like if all the, if like more than half of the owners vote them out. So like if more than half of the owners say like this guy should not be an owner anymore, it may, it may be more than half. It may be like a two thirds majority type thing, but I'm pretty sure if like most of the other owners in the league say, yeah, this guy can't be an owner anymore, then they can get voted out that way. But again, th that's not really them being like fired. It's kind of just them being voted out and then they have to sell it. I actually don't know what happens in that case, because like, I guess they can still sell the team even if they're voted out. They just have to sell it within a certain time period. But yeah, that's basically what we were. I think that's probably what it was going to be, what it was going to come to at some point if he hadn't gotten this like legal in, into this legal trouble that's actually provable and like has proof towards it. So I think that we probably would have seen, cause uh, there was a lot of owners. Like there was, I remember getting bleacher report notifications a couple of weeks ago that basically just said anonymous owners, anonymous NFL owners come out and say that, you know, Dan Snyder is like the most horrible person they've ever met and should not be a league owner or should not be a team owner, whatever. But like they were, you know, they stayed anonymous. Like Matt said, a lot of these guys have kind of these like unsaid, unspoken packs in between each other and these unspoken like contracts, if you will, that they basically won't rat each other out. But I think it's 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 just gotten to the point where it's so bad with Dan Snyder at this point that like these owners just don't even really care. And so I think that it definitely would have gotten to the point where the other owners would have voted him out if this whole legal thing hadn't come out 
um, recently, but right. I'm, I'm very glad that it did. And it's, it's right. It, it's, it's one of those things where like, then this kind of gets into the whole, how it affects the commanders this season. It's like, you might be looking at this and saying, well, I mean, it's the owner of the team. It's the, it's the guy with the most power on the team, but also like he has the most power, but in terms of like football and how players play on the field, not really. Like he doesn't really have much power of that because he don't, like this guy probably doesn't know any like a lick of football. I mean, he, obviously he's been the owner for 25 years, like Matt said, but compared to the coaches and the general manager and like, and everybody else in the front office, this guy, like he's not really there for football. He's like Matt said, he's there to invite all of his rich friends over to sit in the box with him and drink alcohol and eat like club sandwiches and watch the game. He's not there to write up plays and, and be involved in like the football personnel and be involved in really any, any of the football things that, ha- that go on, on on the field. So I don't think that it's going to really derail the commander season at all in any way. I don't think it's going to really affect them in any way. It, it, if anything, it probably will kind of like bring the spirits up on the team because I think, I feel like everybody on the team just hates this guy at this point. Cause they all know what he's done or they all think they know what he's done as we do too. So yeah, I mean, they, they probably know more than us and, we know a lot of the bad things that Dan Snyder's done. So there's probably even more behind the scenes that has happened that they know. And so at this point, I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a very good thing for their team, but in terms of like the football aspect of things, and I hate to kind of, I don't know, kind of under, not understate, but undermine, you know, what Dan Snyder's done. But again, like Matt said, try not to get too political on here. All I'm saying is like in the purest sense of like how their football team is going to do, I don't think it's going to affect them really at all. It's just going to kind of it's it's going to get new newer and better people hired because if you're Dan Snyder, you're hire, you're most likely hiring people that are like you or have tendencies like you and so you don't want those kinds of people in the commander's organization at all. So a lot of those people will probably leave as well with him and it'll be it'll be hopefully be like a a pretty new staff, I guess. And that's that, that'll be a a, a very good thing for the commanders but right the football side is is not, is not going to be affected i don't think i i tend to agree with hayden i think on the surface it's easy to kind of look at this and think well this is just a team that's trying to win football games and it's being surrounded by all of this mess created by this guy who's at the top of the organization organization who has the most power and authority can say whatever he wants, can do whatever he wants at the snap of a finger. So you think about this on the outside and you're like, that's, that's a horrible place to be because essentially your, your boss, your biggest possible boss is a terrible person and is, you know, in the process of being voted out and, and, you know, broke the law and all this stuff, steal, steal, stole money from people. So you think in a, you know, general workplace, like that's a tough environment to be in because you, again, you're just trying to win football games. Then you think about it in terms of just like how far removed the players and coaches are from the higher level ownership. I mean, obviously, like, you know, even including like the general manager or the player personnel guys and and almost especially the owner. Like, yes, the owner is at all the teams. But how many times have the you know individual players actually had conversations with Dan Snyder? Probably not that much. OK, because there's a lot more corporate side to each of the NFL teams. So the players specifically probably don't have that much to do with it they're also traveling all the time and and yes i mean dan snyder definitely has like a private jet where he just goes to whatever game is happening but he doesn't travel with the team right he's not around the team like all the time so i think hayden's right at the end of the day is like they're able to clear their minds of all this stuff they're able to wait get away from it more so than really anybody else in the entire organization because they don't have to be at the headquarters and and the you know the the big corporate offices and all that stuff they're just kind of doing their own thing, you know, with their coach, just trying to win games, right? So, and coming off of that, obviously, they're on a three-game win streak right now. And uh, shout out to a, a, a segment that's coming a little bit later in the podcast. Got a little, got a pretty big game coming up against the Minnesota Vikings this this week. So, hey, you know what? It might not be a bad thing overall. So, I agree with Hayden on that on that sentiment. And uh, and and shout out to Matt's betting locks of the week, which are coming up pretty soon here. Let's move on to college football. The first edition of the college football rankings, college football playoff rankings came out Tuesday, uh, and many people were surprised by Tennessee being ranked number one, while Clemson, in other news, made it into the number four spot over Michigan. So we're going to kind of talk about our rankings or our reaction to these rankings. And again, just to kind of clarify, 
these are the college football playoff rankings. So the college football playoff committee who decides that ultimately decides the top four members of the college football playoff and who ends up being able to, you know, play for the college football championship. It's different than the AP poll. Okay. So the AP poll is essentially just kind of writers and college football people who follow the sport out there kind of randomly um, come up with the AP poll. And then the college football playoff committee, who is a team designed to choose these teams rank also kind of will have their own rankings also. And so it's like kind of two separate sets of rankings. Anyway, the big news here is that Tennessee was ranked number one, which I agree with that sentiment. Like they've won all their games and they have the best win of anybody in the entire country over Alabama. Okay. Plain and simple. So Tennessee should they be number one and they're, they're ranked number one. Now Georgia is ranked number one in the AP poll. So what does this mean? Well, this, that means that, and guess who's playing on Saturday, 3.38 PM on CBS in Athens, Georgia. It's Georgia and Tennessee, which means that we have a matchup between the number one team in the AP poll versus the number one team in the college football playoff rankings poll basically sets up for a number one versus number one matchup. Okay. In the AP poll, it's number one versus number two, but basically this has never happened before in college football. This is the biggest game of the entire season. It, it until the playoff, until the college football championship on like January 13th. All right. This is the biggest game. So lots of kind of stuff to break down here. Hayden, I guess, kind of go ahead, talk about the rankings, what you think, who is surprising, you know, kind of what we're because we all like we did kind of a Georgia Tennessee preview already. Um, so you can kind of listen to the last podcast about that. So we'll kind of talk about the rankings in general. And obviously, right, we're we're kind of reveling at the 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 severity and how huge this game actually is. Uh, so go ahead, Aiden. What do you think? Yeah, well, just to give you some perspective on how big this game is, if you wanted to go to this game, if you wanted to buy a ticket to this game. Just to get in, just to, the, the worst seat in the whole entire stadium would cost you six hundred and twenty six dollars. Now, the most expensive ticket now, again, I mean, six hundred twenty six dollars for n- nosebleed tickets. Give me a break. Come on. I mean, I, I know this is a really good game and this is supposed to be the game of like the decade, I guess. Like Matt said, I guess on paper it is because this is the first time that it's ever been a number one college football playoff ranked team versus a number one AP poll ranked team. But again, it's like paying 626 bucks just to get into the game and not even really guaranteed that you're going to get a good seat at all. That's that's ridiculous. Now, the most expensive ticket, I know you guys are probably wondering this as well. The most expensive ticket right now is going for five thousand two hundred and thirty three dollars. I don't know if that's probably not resale because I don't I don't know how they would get statistics on resale tickets because it's kind of impossible to do, I feel like. But that's assuming that that's not resale and assuming that that is what these tickets are going for up front from the actual whoever like the stadium whoever sells the tickets that's crazy five thousand two hundred thirty three dollars to watch one college football game to watch a bunch of like 19 and 20 year olds play football like that that's that's crazy to me but yeah that's uh that's just some perspective on this game now the some perspective on the rankings here i've got i've got a little bone to pick with the college football playoff committee right now because let me tell you I'm I, you, you can give me the first four. Okay. Tennessee, Ohio state, Georgia, Clemson. I think those are probably the top four teams right now in terms of record who should be in the top four. I think those are, those are the teams that should get in. Now, the one thing I have a problem with is five, six, and seven. So Michigan is number five, like Matt alluded to with Clemson getting in technically getting into the college football playoff over Michigan. If the college football playoff were to start right now, Michigan is number five. Alabama's number six and TCU's number seven. We've talked about TCU a lot on this podcast and Matt and I are both huge fans of TCU. We, we absolutely love them. They've also, I mean, Tennessee has the biggest win of the season against Alabama. I think that TCU probably has the, the best overall resume on the season. We talked about a few episodes that TCU had a stretch of a whole entire month, like four straight weeks where they beat top 25 ranked teams, which that's, just crazy in itself. Like, I mean, there's not another team that can say that in all of division one football. So TCU has a really good resume this season. They've just been, they've been absolutely dominant in almost all their games. I mean, they, they score points out the wazoo and they have, they have a good enough defense to stop people from scoring enough to, to beat them. They're still eight and oh, Alabama seven and one Michigan is eight and oh. So we've got two eight and oh teams here. Alabama's right smack in the middle of them at seven and one. And I'm not saying that TCU should be ranked ahead 
of Alabama because I think that if Alabama and TCU were to pay to play tonight or any given night, Alabama would probably win nine out of 10 of those games. All I'm saying is that Michigan should not be in front of Alabama if TCU is not also going to be in front of Alabama. Like, I think if, if you're going to put an undefeated, because Michigan is undefeated, right? Sure, you can you can make that argument. We make that argument all the time that you have to win your games. And if you're undefeated, you should be, there's no reason why you shouldn't be ranked higher than somebody that has one or two losses. That's fine. No matter how good of a conference they're in, that's fine. You can make that argument to me and I, I'll be fine with it. But that means that you put TCU in front of Alabama too. If you're going to put Michigan in front of Alabama, you put TCU in front of Alabama as well. That is my bone that I have to pick with the college football playoff committee. If it were up to me, I would probably put Alabama at five and I would put Michigan at seven and then TCU at six, because I, I don't, I really don't think it's fair. I don't think that Michigan's a good team. I've never really been a fan of Michigan. I'm kind of a Michigan hater, but I'll give credit where credit's due. They haven't really had a good season. Their, their wins have been a little bit shady here and there. They don't have a good passing game at all. They're basically their whole team is their running game and their defense. Their defense is all right. They, they stopped Penn state pretty well, but it's just like, dude, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about this Michigan team. They shouldn't be ranked higher than Alabama. And again, if you want to put them above Alabama, just because they have technically a better record, you better put TCU above Alabama too, because you got to show them some love. You got to show them the same love that you're giving Michigan. I don't think it's fair to TCU. And so, yeah, I mean, my, my horned frogs out there, they're just, they're, they're struggling a little bit, but that is my bone to pick again, the top four. I don't really care. I, you can kind of put them any which way right now. It's we're still, you know, four basically four weeks away from conference championships. So we still got some time to kind of figure out those, those top four and the, the order of those top four. And really the order of those top four won't matter until after conference championships are done. So, right. I don't really care about the top four. It's just five through seven. Alabama should be, if, if you're going to put, I think Alabama should be five, even though, they, even though they have one loss and TCU six and Michigan seven, that ranking right there is just, it's just kind of bogus in my opinion. Matt, what do you think about either that or this in comparison with the AP poll. I think TCU should be four. I mean, come on, dude. They had, they, they, I agree with Tennessee, Ohio state, Georgia. Those are the three best teams in college football. Totally fine there, but Clemson, Michigan. Yes. They're good teams. Yes. They're undefeated and they have okay wins. Clemson has beaten Wake Forest, who is like 20 ranked number 20 and they beat NC state. Who's ranked number 21. Well, actually, let me just look at it here. So, okay. They beat Syracuse. Who's number 20. Wake Forest, who's number 21, and NC State, who's number 22. So they've beaten all the teams ranked 21, 21, and 22. TCU, on the other hand, has beaten Kansas State, who's ranked number 13, and Oklahoma State, who's ranked number 18. So two top 18 wins over three eh, subpar-ish, you know, very close to being out of the 20s uh, teams that, 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 uh, that Clemson has. So I don't know. I think TCU has had a better better resume. They should be They should be in. In my opinion, I don't think that they're going to go undefeated and make it into the college football playoff eventually. And I have a lot of confidence that Clemson will. So to some extent, you could agree that like at the end of the day, it's a there's a very higher chance that Clemson ends up number four than TCU does. So that's fine. But for the time being, I think the TCU should at least be given their credit and, and be ranked ahead of that. The only other thing I have to say is shout out to the Pac-12, who has three teams in the top 12. Oregon's number eight, uh, USC is number nine and UCLA is number 12. The only other team that even comes close or the only other conference is the SEC, obviously. And they have five teams in the top 12, but, you know, that's the SEC. Uh, otherwise, right, you know, the Big Ten has two, Ohio State and Michigan. Clemson's the only ACC representative. TCU's the only Big 12 representative. So, shout out to the Pac-12. Hopefully, one of those teams can look especially dominant. They're going to need some luck with, you know, other teams at the top kind of winning and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, right, got to give love to the Pac-12 when they deserve it, which they do. All right. Well, with that being said, let's move on to our little fun segment here with with college football. Now, we've actually we've had we've had this plan for many weeks now, and we've been saving it to a date where we're not talking about where we're not recapping a weekend of football or we're not talking about something else important. And I think today's the perfect the perfect day. College football playoff rankings just came out. I mean, it has nothing to do with college football playoff rankings, but it's just kind of we're getting into that like serious mode for college football, you know, after, after week eight and it's uh, it's yeah, it's, or I guess week nine technically because teams have had a buy. Anyway, we're going to do a little draft for the coolest college football uniforms in all of division one football. Well, 
I assume division. I, don't, I assume that Matt doesn't have any division two teams in here. Yeah. Okay. Good. So an all division one football, we're going to do a little draft of um, the 10 best college football uniforms. And we're each going to take five. It's going to go, it's going to go a little, little snake here. I think it's probably actually, no, we're not going to do snake. We're, we're just going to do straight up just every other pick. And I'm going to, I'm actually going to flip a coin here to see who goes first. Cause it has to be fair. Matt, since you're the away team here, you, you get to, you get to pick the heads or tails. So go ahead and pick. I'm going to pick heads. All right. Heads. It is flipping the coin. It's tails. So I go first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Just in case you guys, <laughs> just in case you guys are wondering, we just had like a very big debacle. I flipped the coin with, I first flipped the coin without anybody picking a side. And so I, I, we had to like reconvene and do it again. You guys didn't hear this because I cut it out for sure. But yes, that's what that's what we're laughing at. So anyway, I'm going to go first. And I think that I think the first pick is probably it's probably the obvious one here. And it's Matt definitely smiling right now because he knows what I'm going to pick. And it's Oregon because Oregon has the best uniform. I mean, they have they're right next to the Nike headquarters, I'm pretty sure. And so they get new uniforms basically every game. If you guys saw their their uniforms last weekend. Yeah, I think it was last weekend when they went against UCLA or yeah, UCLA was. They had like the pink numbers with like the black jerseys, dude. Those were those were sweet. Those, uh, I mean, some people may not like the look of them, but I, I thought it was cool because it was you know breast cancer awareness and stuff like that. So, yeah, they just come out with a basically a new jersey every single game, and it, I think they had a stat somewhere where it was like they haven't worn the same combination of uniform in years. I think, and that was I think that was like a few years ago that that stat came out. So hopefully they haven't done that still, and it's been like seven years since they have worn the same uniform combination twice, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool fact. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue with it. They, they released their, or their, um, their uniforms for this coming Saturday. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like a white base with a speckled black and then the numbers are orange or yellow. And it's like a dark green matte helmet. Like, come on, dude, that's disgusting. So yes, Oregon is the overwhelming number one answer, but everybody should know that mine are going to come up a little bit off the board. So we're not really going to be competing here too much because I know Hayden probably didn't didn't go deep diving on this like I did. Um, but my number two, because it, it has to be mentioned and it's worth it, is UNC. You can't you can't beat the powder blues. Like you can't. And it's and it's famous. I mean, it's Michael Jordan. It's it's like and, and in football, I think that I think they look better in football than they do in basketball because it's just like the field and the and the like the matching with the color. Like it's just it's amazing. Carolina blue is a color. Like because of the UNC, you know, powder blue uniforms and, and just the school colors all in general. So um, yeah. So give me UNC as my, as my kind of first choice here, but to follow up Oregon. All right. Yeah. That, that's a really good pick. I was, I thought that I was going to fall till later in the draft, but I think that that's a, that's a really good pick. Now my next pick, I was going to pick a team, but I'm probably going to go another route because I want, I want to get some variety on my team here. So I'm going to go TCU with my second pick. I think TCU's colors in general are just super sweet, but when they wear those either black uniforms or I think they have purple ones too, it's just like, like the black and purple combination is just awesome. They have, they also have those like liquid violet metal face masks, which are just sick and their helmets are also really cool. They're also, they're also a team that I feel like upgrades their uniforms every year and has different helmets every year and like a different design on their helmets every year. So I'm going to go TCU Nice, nice little contrast with that green and yellow versus um, black and black and purple so far. Matt, what do you have next? My next one's going to be Oklahoma State because the burnt orange, the 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 different shades of orange combined with the gray and the black, like it's it's sleek. It's no matter what they wear too, because you can go all out with the all orange. You can do the all white. You can do the all black. You can do the all gray, and they've done all of that, and it looks awesome in in whatever they wear. And it's like. They've they've had a lot of redesigns, I think, more recently, but like everything they've done just makes it look cooler. Like you have the 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 logo is like the O with the state, and then they have like the cowboy thing. So um yeah, I love Oklahoma State's uniforms. A lot of the Big 12 uniforms are are really good. Like TCU was definitely on my list, like Hayden said. So um yeah, so give me Oklahoma State up here to follow to follow TCU. All right. My third pick is gonna be a little bit a little bit against my philosophy. And if you don't know my philosophy, well, I don't think anybody does. It's basically that like, I don't understand people who pick teams like Alabama for having the best uniforms or like the best helmets or whatever, just because they're classic. It's like, no, if they're not cool, they're not cool. Don't say that they're cool just because they're classic. That's my philosophy. But here, I guess you could make a little bit of an argument to say that these are kind of classic, but 
I like Tennessee's uniforms, dude. When they when they wear the, I think they have like the the checkered pants sometimes too, which or they have like the stripe that's checkered. That's really sweet. I think their their shade of orange is really unique. It's not like a Miami or like a Florida type of orange. It's like a it's more of like a yellow kind of more vibrant type of orange. So and not like an Oklahoma State. You know, the burnt orange I, I agree is is pretty cool. But I I do think that that like more highlighter orange is really cool to see. And also their the logo on their helmets I really like. It's just like the simple kind of T, but um, but it's it's really clean looking and yeah, I like their colors. Uh, that that was kind of gonna be my thing. It was like I needed to pick an orange, um, and it was pretty much between Oklahoma State, Texas, and T- and Tennessee. Yeah. So because those are the kind of the classic the, the orange teams. So yeah, definitely definitely a vote for for Tennessee as well. I I like I like Tennessee's uniforms. My my next ones they're gonna come off the board. Nobody knows who I'm talking about. You're going to have to look it up. All right. Next one is Marshall. Oh my God, Marshall. Look at their uniforms. It's the perfect shade of green. They have the black, they have the white. And it's just, it's like, it's the thundering herd is like in a cool font. And it looks like it's Buffaloes running like as their font. Um, It's, it's their uniforms are, are sleek. They're, they're, they're just, they look good on the field. They look fast. Like whenever a team's wearing them, like whenever a player's just running on the place for Marshall, I'm like, that guy's way faster than everybody else, even though it's not, but it's just the uniform combination is, is, is perfection with, with Marshall. So I uh, love that one. Yeah, no, that's a really good one. I, I actually just looked them up cause I don't watch them play often. And I don't know if you mentioned it, but a lot of them have the herd on the front too, which is kind of cool too. So um, that's a, that's a, that's a cool little addition. You know, it's the, the details that matter. Isn't that right, Matt? That's right. Hayden. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, moving on to my, what is this fourth pick? I think, wow, we're already at four here. All right. So my, for my fourth pick, I, this is like, this is really tough to do here. And I think that I, I, I'm going to go with through. I'm going to say Arizona state, Arizona state's uniforms are sick. I know a lot of people don't really like the kind of burgundy slash like burnt red and yellow type deal. Also their yellow is kind of like a mustard yellow. It's not really like a, it's not really a cool vibrant yellow, but I don't know, dude, some of their uniform combinations are really, really cool. And they're, I kind of like the contrast of their shade of red with their shade of yellow. I think it works better because both are kind of like a, kind of like a musty type color. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a darker, more somber type of, of color that they're that they're rocking for both of them. So and those yellow helmets are also really cool. I think they also have some like they have some variety with like black uniforms, too. I'm pretty sure that they wear sometimes like the all blacks. I mean, any team that has all black uniforms is going to look good. But I think the the variety that they go with is uh, is is pretty cool as well. So, yes, I'm going to Arizona State at four. Yeah. And then also kind of what I forgot to mention in my last one. Uh, in addition to Marshall, if you're looking for another sweet green color uniform, it's North Texas. All right, out of the Conference USA, look up their uniforms because it's a, it's kind of a similar like lightish green, but but like a vibrant type of deal. So North Texas, uh, if if Marshall doesn't fit your your liking, and then North Texas definitely will. Uh, my fourth pick is going to be <laughs> it's Wyoming. Okay, let me tell you what their colors are. Colors are it's brown and yellow. I t- I know. I know what you're screaming into your phone right now, which is how are you making those colors look good? But they do. I don't, the combination of the, cause it's like a nice highlighter yellow and the brown is like a, it's, it's a brighter ish brown. It's not like the Browns, like the Cleveland Browns. It's not like the, I mean, not many other teams are brown because it's like a, not a color that you can make look good. Anyway, Wyoming does it. The, the helmets are yellow with the brown cowboy on the sides The I mean, the, 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 the like the nameplate in the front it says cowboys but it's in like a like a western type of font like yeah wyoming's uniforms are like low-key one of the best in the in the country and it it's it it doesn't it doesn't it shouldn't be good but it just they make it look so sleek and so shout out to wyoming very low-key the best uniform in college football yeah that's 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 really good too i mean matt's coming out with the um with the barn burners here but for my fifth one and my last uniform of the team here I'm going to go with one that's a little bit controversial and it's actually kind of like the next best thing from Matt's UNC pick is like I said, I was going to, I was going to try to get UNC as a steal here at the bottom, but it's the next best, the next best thing. And it's Ole Miss. Now Ole Miss has like a, they have like a dark blue uniform and then obviously a white uniform. They have both types and they've, they've, they've had the dark blue uniforms for kind of a long time. They also have red uniforms. I'm a huge fan of red uniforms, like especially with white pants or something like that. Those are really cool. 
but they came out recently, I think within the past couple of years with the little, they're not quite powder blues, but they're, they're like a sky baby blue type deal. It, those are so sweet. They also added, so yeah. they, I think they first came out with the jerseys a few years ago, I think. And then I think last year or something like that, they came out with the, with the same colored helmets. And so now they wear like the powder, like the baby blue helmets with the baby blue jerseys. I think those are so sweet. Again, those are kind of carrying their whole uniform lineup in terms of like, like the dark blue is kind of, and eh, it's whatever. It's kind of average. The white, same with that is kind of average. Even the red is like, yeah, there's teams out there that have red uniforms, like Ohio state and Alabama and Georgia and all them. But it, uh, I, I don't know. I think I, I love Ole Miss's writing on their helmet too. Like the, the cursive on their helmet is really cool. The fact that they're just called old, like it's, technically the university of mississippi but they call themselves old miss it's like the fact that they have that written on their on their helmets is really cool so i love old miss's uniforms i think that that was probably a sleeper that none of us were really going to think about unless i didn't look at the top 25 teams so that's that's just what i did so there you go there's old miss yeah i agree the the powder blue or the yeah it's it's a baby blue definitely sky yeah. blue uh from old miss that those are uh, a very close second to the unc blue my last team here is going to be coastal carolina Yes, the shot to clears. They have the 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 tealest of most teal jerseys that you could ever see, and it's like it's perfect. And you know why it's perfect? Because they have a teal field as well. The turf on the field is teal, and their jerseys are teal. And they wear these, and it's and it's yeah, it looks really nice. Their away uniforms are nice too because they had they added some gray in there too. But their helmets are still like the very teal with the rooster. A shot to clear is like a some some type of bird rooster type of yeah. deal. Um, I think so, it's actually, and, it's, um, it's, what's that water bird? It's like a, an osprey or something. Maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Cause Carolina, I mean, so it's on yeah. The coast. It, and it's located. It's, I mean, it's like right on the beach too. So, yeah. Um, you, you can't miss, I mean, you got great uniforms, you got great location. You got a great field. You're right next to the beach. You can't, you can't beat yeah. it. Go to coastal Carolina. Hey, if you guys are out there in high school, like just apply. Cause dude, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's like a, I mean, it's basically like the next best thing for Miami. Like Miami's a, a very, a, University of Miami is, is obviously Florida is um, kind of on the coast as well, or it's like near the coast. And so that's also like a beach school if you want to go there. So yeah, if you're in high school still just, you know, apply around to the, to the nice schools because even though they might be a little bit expensive, eh? I mean, if you've, if you've got the funds to do it, then, uh, then, then go ahead and do it. I, I also, I mean, coastal Carolina, we're actually, UVA is actually playing coastal Carolina here in a few weeks. Well, so yeah, two weeks. So like, this week we have UNC. So, and then next week we have Pittsburgh. So two weeks from now we have, we have coastal Carolina, which is going to be pretty cool to see them in person, but I don't know if they'll be, they'll be wearing the, the all teals or whatever. I think they, they might be, cause we might be wearing like, I don't know. We usually, we usually wear dark colored uniforms at home. So I don't know. It, uh, it'll, it'll depend, but UBA yeah, probably that, lose that game too. Yeah. That's also true. I, I didn't want to say anything, but you know, I guess since Matt said it, I won't deny it. But uh, anyway, let's <laughs> we'll just move on to the Formula One topic here. So, Red Bull won the constructors' championship this past week after Max Verstappen locked up the drivers' championship three races ago. So, Max Verstappen he's he's been absolutely crazy this year. Actually, if you do, this is kind of like a little funny anecdote. Matt and I do the racing pick them on ESPN with our dad. And we have like a little pool with actually with our, with some of our other family members um, from the wedding that we just went to shout out to them. But we have this little pool on ESPN that we do where we have two entries each and we pick the racing pick them for each week when, when there's a formula one race and you just, it, there, it's just kind of like prop bets almost. It's like, you know, will Fernando Alonso finish in front of Lando Norris? It's like, it's, it's that kind of thing, which, you know, it's, whatever, like, it, you know, it's kind of luck sometimes, but also sort of skill. But basically the first question on these on out of these like 10 questions or 12 questions or whatever it is, first question is always who will win the race. And they can't, you can't pick anybody in the field. They'll give you, they used to, at the beginning of the season, they used to give you like four options. It would be like Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, for example, or like Sergio Perez or something like that, or Lewis Hamilton. And then it would be those three guys and then, or it would be any other driver. And a lot of times any other driver would be picked. That was for like the first couple races. After that, a lot of the money started, or a lot of the picks started to go to Max Verstappen and Max Verstappen only or Charles Leclerc and Charles Leclerc struggled a lot after he won like the first three races or something like that. So, right. 
after after Max Verstappen started dominating, they literally went down to who will win the race, Max Verstappen or any other driver. Like now it's it's the question, literally the only two answers you have are Max Verstappen or any other driver. So that's just that'll give you a little insight to how and you're gonna lose the pick if you pick any other driver. Yeah, exactly. But it's like I've I've picked Max Max Verstappen almost every single time. And I usually get that question, right? Like I, whenever I pick him, he usually wins and that's almost always. So, right. Just a little insight to how good he's been this season, but in between these, the constructor championship and the driver's championship, the FIA announced that Red Bull, they spent nearly $2 million over budget on car designs this season, which is a, it's a, well, it's under like this 5% rule that we might get into in, in the whole, like, you know, explanation of things, but it's it's less than 5% over their budget, but it's still a violation. $2 million is still kind of a lot of money, even though in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that much considering it's Formula One, but whatever. This is a hot, uh, hotly contested topic and a punishment was finally announced. They'll be fined $7 million next season and they will also lose some wind tunnel time next season as well. Matt, do you want to explain to the viewers what, what this means exactly? Because I guarantee you a lot of our... Uh, when I say viewers, a lot of our listeners probably don't, don't really know what this means. Yeah. So it's basically when you are testing the car prior to actually running it on the course, they, they put it in this kind of, it's like a building, it's a wind tunnel simulation, which essentially just kind of simulates how the air will be working in past the car. Because the problem is the cars go so fast that you are inevitably going to have so much wind passing by it and through it that you have to design the car such that the wind works in tandem with how well the car fits through the air. And and it's, it's all complicated, very, you know, very deep level stuff. But basically this whole wind tunnel situation is an experiment to just play with the different designs of the car and what will work better, how the car is able to move faster, the, you know, the, the spin time on the wheels and everything. This is like the biggest off season experiment. Right. This this is the biggest opportunity for a team, an F1 team, to be able to test the car prior to putting it out on the track, which by the time they put it on the track, it's there's not that far. You're, you know, you're not that far away from the actual start of the season, in which case, if you mess something up, you don't really have that much time to fix it. So all of the fixing, all of the messing up happens during this wind tunnel time. And so it sounds a little weird kind of when Hayden first said it, but hopefully now, hopefully now you understand kind of like the severity of this is a lot of what they were able to develop in their winning car for this year, that time is just kind of gone and they might not have as much time to look at how the car is performing, look at the, you know, separation between them and other cars, look at the, you know, the, obviously there's you know, how you're going to build the car with the side panels, the, the, how the wheels fit into the back with like the front wing, the back wing, all that stuff. Like it's a really big deal. So, so I think that's kind of hopefully a little bit of, good of you know some sort of explanation of the backstory on what happens during this wind tunnel time and the fact that they're going to have it reduced i don't think they've i don't think they've like come down with the exact amount of time that they're going to lose in the wind tunnel things um but i guess hayden has that yeah yeah they're losing they're basically docking them 10 percent of the wind tunnel time and and like matt said it's bare it's basically like aerodynamic testing for the car so they're docking them 10 percent of their time in the off season of testing that so they're getting 10 percent less time in the wind tunnel than other teams are getting. So, which is, which is pretty significant, right? I mean, it's like, it's not nothing. And, and, and I mean, that's 10% of, you know, perfecting an F1 car that you're not going to be able to do next season. And, and that's a, that's, I think that, yeah, that's a big deal. People are saying like people, genuine reputable sources that I've read and listened to about F1, like they say, this is an actual big deal. It's, I think it's the first time that the, this specific type of punishment has ever been given to a team. So it's kind of, unprecedented and and we're kind of going to have to see what the impact is but it could very much level red bull with kind of the rest of the field because obviously they were so much you know so dominant this season so obviously then kind of the next question that we have to ask and we're kind of going to throw it to hayden here is did this cost cap you know problem when in red bull spending more than they should have or were allowed to do did that actually affect the outcome of this season or would red bull have been just as dominant otherwise well i'm going to go by the rules of the book here and I'm going to say that it didn't really affect the outcome of the season because the, the book says this essentially. So it's a minor breach. Like the F, F1 is calling this a minor breach because like I said, it doesn't exceed 5% of the, the budget, the yearly budget that F1 teams get. Now, I think all F1 teams get the same, but I mean, that would make sense if they all get the same budget spending budget throughout a year. And 
I just looked it up for Red Bull and it's $145 million, which again, like that's great. That's a lot of money, dude. But if they were to have spent, I think 7.25 million or more over the budget, that would have been, I guess, a, a major breach. And there, there would have been a lot of, a lot more ramifications if it did that, but it's, it's, it's only 2 million. And from what I've read, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like 2 million is not that big of a deal. That's why it's called, that's why it's still a minor breach. It's not really breaking the rules that much. Again, $2 million is when you think about it. Like if you, if you got $2 million today, you wouldn't have to work for 25 years, but it's also like, you know, $2 million in in, in the grand scheme of 145 million is uh, not that much. And so Right. By the book, I would say that, no, it didn't really affect much this season, maybe like a little bit. But I, I still do think that Max Verstappen is by far the best racer in in Formula One. I mean, there's there's no reason to think not because, I mean, he's, he's won so many races and he's finished so well in so many races that Sergio Perez could also have done, but hasn't done. And he's, he's you know, he's on the same team. He has the same car, basically. So and Sergio Perez has, has had a really good season as well. Red Bull overall, like we said, is just, you know, they won the Constructors Championship before the season even ended. So it's like the Red Bull's had a great season so far, but I, I don't think that it, I don't think there, there was like a glaring difference in terms of the racing. Again, I haven't been watching Formula One long enough to like be able to watch the race and, and tell that there's a difference, but I don't think that even an expert could probably tell that there was a difference this season. I don't think that it affected much this season, but I think I do agree with Matt and I trust the sources that he's trusting that say that, next season this like this punishment may actually have an effect and it should like because they broke the rules so if they break the rules you should enforce a, fun, a punishment that actually has some kind of effect and i do think that this wind tunnel this 10 percent less wind ton- tunnel time even though again 10 percent doesn't sound like that much it's really every second is really important and ev- literally every single detail if you've seen the drive to survive docuseries on netflix like you know every single little detail to formula one racing teams and like data analytics and everything like that. Every single little thing matters when it, when it comes down to these teams and their decisions and especially on, on, you know, the technology of the car. So I do think that next season it'll probably have an effect. I don't think that Red Bull will be like, you know, at the bottom, but I don't, I don't like the Ferrari might from our Ferrari might pass them, which Ferrari had was supposed to have a better car this year too, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see though. Yeah. And the other piece of this is like, the tough part on the FIA, who's kind of the governing body over Formula One, they essentially had to enforce a punishment that, like like I said, it was unprecedented. So they're kind of guess they're kind of grasping at straws here. Like, what is going to be effective enough such that Red Bull is actually punished for this, such that also other teams won't do this in the future, right? Because I think the the and it's going to kind of be a wait and see game. Like, if Red Bull comes into next year and they're looking just as dominant as they are this year clearly that's not a good enough punishment in which case teams other teams are going to be more likely to basically just copy what red bull did and overspend and hey we get the punishment it won't be that bad right so you kind of have to walk the line here of like what is a fair punishment such that the team will actually be affected by it but also not detrimental to where you know red bull's not even going to be competing next year so because of the unprecedented nature of this and the fact that there's not really anything else to go off of to compare this type of punishment or what they needed to bring down as punishment for this team, it, we don't really know how it's going to affect them. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think that probably the overwhelming theory here is that they're just going to be taken down to kind of an equal level of kind of your Mercedes and your Ferraris of the world where those are the top three teams to begin with. Those are kind of going to continue to be the top three teams, but hopefully this will at least kind of take down Red Bull from being the absolute overwhelmingly dominant team to now kind of being equal with these other teams. And hopefully that'll kind of provide some better competition, right? Because as much as it is great to see Max Verstappen win all the time, and he's, you know, a very dominant driver, like you want to have some type of excitement and like, you don't really know who's going to win the race. Like that'd be nice to have them go back to that graphic. Like Hayden was talking about in the pick game, like all four drivers could be an option instead of just Max Verstappen, Verstappen or anybody else. Um, so hopefully that's kind of what it brings is not like, you know, tearing down the Red Bull team and everything they've accomplished, but just kind of leveling them to the other better, you know, best teams in the sport and making it a little bit more competitive there. But it's all, we're all going to kind of have to see um, if, if this punishment is actually effective or not. All right. Well, with that being said, that ends off the episode for today. Thank you guys for listening. It was, it was actually a really cool episode. I, I like this kind of college football playoff and college football uniform draft that we had here. And also, yeah, I think it was it was definitely uh, 
definitely fair to talk about the the Dan Snyder stuff because right, that's you know that's that's a big thing that's going on right now. And then obviously the F one topic. Good job to Matt for coming up with these topics. That was uh, very good on his part. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give him credit for that. That's uh, yes, very very good ideas here, Matt, for today. But like I said, uh, done for today. We will be back on Monday for a little recap of the football weekend as usual. It's the best time of year for this podcast, so uh, we're we're rolling them out here. And yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, and hope you guys have a good weekend. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you then.